I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, it's Tuesday the 10th of March. I'm Jules Breach, he's Andy Brassel, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Coming up with the news that Manchester United have frozen their season ticket prices once again, we assess whether United should be given credit for this initiative, and we're also going to be comparing two big signings who have had very different starts to their Premier League life in Tangi and Dombele and Bruno Fernandes. So Andy, let's get straight to it because yesterday we heard the news that Manchester United season ticket prices have been frozen for the season coming. And this will be the ninth successive time that the club has kept their prices static in general admission areas of the stadium. And they also propose to make a few changes to Old Trafford as well. There's going to be an expansion of the Stretford end to continue to enhance the atmosphere at Old Trafford. There's also the potential introduction of a rail seating trial. Now, that is really interesting. We're going to definitely touch on that as well. There's also going to be a bit of movement around the stadium for the family section into the Sir Alex Ferguson stand and some other things as well. So the question we're asking really is, should United be given credit for this, Andy? Um, Well, because we spend a lot of time, or not necessarily us, but certainly um, a lot of match-going Manchester United fans uh, spend a a lot of time criticising the Glazers. Some people have put it forward as a, as a counterpoint. Maybe the fans are being treated all right. Maybe the Glazers aren't that bad after all. I mean, I think there are two strands to this. I think, firstly, you have to look back to the main issues that Manchester United fans have, have had since the Glazers were involved in the club and fully took over in, in, in 2005, um, which has mainly been uh, due to debt. 
uh, a lot of debt was taken on to, to to fund the actual purchase of the club in the first place, as as, as people know, and that debt and uh, hefty interest payments have remained in place for the last fifteen years or or, or, or so. Um, the, the sort of debt that Manchester United hadn't had what since the thirties, I think. So um, that that is a big deal, and um, a huge perception of the Glazers is that they've been basically leeching off the the worldwide popularity of the club. Now, we did have the financial results of Manchester United um, last come out in in, in September last year. And they boasted um, the the biggest income barrier in Premier League history uh, for £600 million. But there are a few catches to that. Firstly, um, the uh, raise in revenue almost entirely relates to the rise in broadcasting revenue. So it's not particularly anything that they've done in that time. Um, also, the fact that um, net debt has, has come down, it doesn't include um, various bits of interest and, and charges. And that net debt still is over £200 million, by the way. That's, that's something that the Man- Manchester United never had um, pre-Glazers. How does this affect the team and the the, the Manchester United fan experience? Well, I, th- I think there are there are a, a couple of, of of sides to this. Um, obviously, Manchester United are still extremely financially powerful. Um, they still manage to buy players, but I think under the Glazers, the football direction of the club has led them to the point where they are on the pitch. There's there's absolutely no doubt about that, and. Partly the fact that the finances don't take care of themselves, that there's had to be refinance, uh, refinancing, debt restructuring and all that sort of stuff going along the way means that I think commercial imperatives seem to have trumped on-pitch concerns. And it's felt, I think, for a long time for those fans that the club have cared less and less about what actually happens on the pitch and they've just been a series of sticking plasters on the playing side and in, in some cases very expensive sticking plasters uh, to uh, to the sport inside of the operation the other thing we have to say is we have to look be- below the surface a little bit of course the actual price of of season tickets has has been frozen but that's the base price of season tickets now what some non-Manchester United fans may be unaware of is the fact that there has been an obligation to buy cup tickets in conjunction with your season ticket as a season ticket holder for a number of years now. I didn't know that. Now that that's mm. that still exists. That's something that still exists. We've we've checked the the season ticket terms and conditions for this season for Manchester United to to, to make sure that's the case. So regardless if you're available to go to those cup matches, automatically you get charged a cup ticket price if you've got a season ticket. Yeah, you give them your um, credit card number at the start of the season and they automatically take it off. They don't have to send you a notification that 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 has been the case. Um, So there is an opt-out available for EFL Cup and for Europa League. It always says, if applicable. Well, it's very much been applicable (laughs) to Manchester United, unfortunately for them, over the last couple of seasons. Um, But it's made quite clear that there are penalties for that. Mm. And those penalties include missing the opportunity to get tickets for those bigger matches, which, you know, is one of the big draws for being a season ticket holder at the end of the season. So 
the price that you get put forward in the brochure is not actually the final price of what the the season ticket is. And of course, there's nothing to stop them putting ticket prices for the cup games up. And presumably they will be doing that if they go back into the Champions League. Although, of course, there will be a lot of fans who wouldn't want to miss those games anyway. But, you know, you have at some clubs within admittedly quite a high season ticket price, you get um, group games included or other stuff like that. That is not the case. Or early rounds of, of cup competitions included. That is not the case with Manchester United. You're charged extra. Mm, that's really interesting. I, and I never knew that up until we were discussing this to talk about mm. today on Football Ramble. So that's really fascinating. But the fact that the prices have stayed the same, obviously we know that season ticket prices are extremely high anyway. And whether or not as a fan you can afford that, whether you've got the time and to dedicate to actually going to matches every single weekend is another thing. It is expensive. Yes. But the fact that they've kept the price as it is, is that something we should be applauding? I, I don't think it's a bad thing. And um, United in their statement were very, very keen to say that they um, offer cheap tickets for under 16s, um, cheaper tickets for 18 to 25 year olds. And that is undoubtedly a, a good thing. And, but but it's, 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 it's a business no brainer as well, because you've got to encourage the next generation of fans. I think Manchester United are in a position like every other club in the country, and we've talked about it again and again on this show and again and again on other shows, I think, on Football Ramble Daily, the, the fact is the club need those fans. Now, that's something that I think we've seen more and more at the moment, actually, with efforts to contain the outbreak of coronavirus. You know, you were, you, you were talking about your boyfriend, weren't you, working on Juventus Inter at the yeah. weekend, and he was saying to you how weird it is like seeing an empty stadium is not just the the, the the fact that hearing the players as well yeah you're not used is, to hearing the players on the pitch and hear, yeah. hearing what they say to each other and then but, when they celebrate a goal what like they just sort of go on Dave yeah, yeah. Well done. and then they celebrate with each other. it just seems a bit strange doesn't it it's not quite right it it, it brings it home how much power fans actually have if how they think about they it are, yeah. how important they are not just in the stadium itself but to the television spectacle. Mm. It looks rubbish. It looks rubbish on television with no fans there. And that's that's absolutely the case. And I think the Premier League is at this kind of pivotal point at the moment for me because if you speak to players from overseas, what makes them come to the Premier League? Well, of course, they're, they're paid extremely well. You know, there's no getting around that. That's a huge part of it. And the opportunity to make yourself for life if you come for three, four, five years. But... A lot of them will also say it's about the thrill, the excitement of it, the fact that the fans are so close, the fact that the noise is is something spectacular, the fact that when you make a tackle, all the fans go crazy, especially if you're a defender. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a massive big deal. But I think that Premier League atmospheres over the last couple of years have not been what they were. And you hear, why, why do I say that? Because players say it. Players who come from abroad, like newer players who've who've come from abroad have been like, yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting a little bit more. And this is why Manchester United need to keep, it's a major reason why they need to keep the season ticket prices down. Because you need those fans that come in. Now, of course, it's, it's a great thing when people from all over the world want to come and join in and be part of the Premier League. I'm I'm in no 
I'm of no mind to deny people that experience. And it's, it's a great thing. And it's obviously, it's good. It's a great experience for them if they can afford it. And it's good for the club if they come and enjoy the games and spend money. The people who generate the atmosphere will be the locals, will be the season ticket holders, will mm-hmm. be the people mm-hmm. who are there all the time. Every week, yeah. And that is an enormous part of any football. It's an enormous part of the Premier League in particular, I think. And it's a something in the Premier League that as some of the stadiums have become more and more touristy and the secondary ticket market has grown and grown, that's something that's being diluted and it needs to be not lost. It's hugely, hugely important. And, you know, you look at the the atmosphere at some of the some of the biggest stadiums you look at chelsea arsenal it can be pretty tame and i think a lot of these measures that manchester united are bringing in in conjunction with the freezing the season ticket prices are designed specifically to combat that you can tell that from the yeah. quotes from richard arnold who's the group managing director at manchester united he talks about the importance of enhancing the match day atmosphere that's part of the reason why they obviously want to extend the Stretford end at Old yeah. Trafford and and making, I think it's around about 2,000 more seats in the in the Stretford end, which would be incredible. Um, well, it's already enormous, isn't yes, it? Yes, huge. Um, but the other thing that I think is really interesting is this proposal from Manchester United. They've submitted to the local authorities to trial a rail seating area within the stadium. Um, And Richard Arnold, as I mentioned a moment ago, he's the group managing director. This is his quote. He said, our belief is that the introduction of rail seating will enhance spectator safety in areas of the stadium where, as with other clubs, we have seen examples of persistent standing. And we hope to have news on this application soon. Now, obviously... It's in these particular areas, like you say, Andy, where you've got the people that are there every single week watching their team. They yeah. are diehard supporters and they quite often stand for majority of the game. Yeah. This is a measure that United are obviously putting forward, a proposal to try and make this a bit safer for everyone in that area. Do you think this is something that we can see happening at Old Trafford and in the Premier League more? I think it's not only something that we can see happening, it's something that we should see happening more and more. Um, I think it, it does have an impact on, on, on terms of atmosphere and in, in terms of the supporter experience, which are very important things. But for me, what's even more important is safety. Now, I think we have to be really sensitive about this subject and the discussion around this subject has to be really sensitive because of what happened at Hillsborough. Yeah. You, you know, you, you've got to take the uh, take the feelings of, of, of people who are involved in that directly and indirectly into account um, because it, it's still a huge thing uh, for those families and it's still a huge thing for, for English football. And, and the fact that... Um, that the families and, and, and people involved with Liverpool are still searching for justice all these years on is, is absolutely appalling and it's a stain on, on English football and it's a stain on English society. There's no doubt about that. But um, from not just my personal experiences, but I think other fans' personal experiences, we're not talking about just bringing back old terracing. Rail seating is different. It's about allocated places. It's about extra space. And I think... Explain how the rail seating works, Andy, because I've never been in a stadium that has this. Well, it's but basic. Basically, you've got a you've got a bar across and a seat that clips down from it. So, for example, when you we were talking about um, uh, Borussia Dortmund before, um, they have to replace their 
they have to seat their their terrace, their big terrace, the yellow wall, the Sud Tribuna, um, for UEFA games because it has to be all seater for, mm-hmm. for for UEFA games, and this would be the easiest way of affecting that if if it was a if it was a newer stadium, in that basically for that you just click down your seat, so it's essentially the same space to seat. In fact, more space than a lot of seats because after stadiums had to become all-seater because of the Taylor report and that's something that happened in other stadiums in, in, in Europe as well. The, the, the seats are basically plonked on old, old terracing. Mm. So you don't really get that much space. I mean, I remember when uh, Selhurst Park became all-seater um, when, I, when I was a teenager, almost as tall as I am now. I found it really uncomfortable. You're a tall man. Uh, not, not, You're not, quite tall. Not, not, not massive. Everyone's tall to me. <laughs> Five foot two. <laughs> but um, okay, I've got a foot on you. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's really uncomfortable. And every time the guy in front of me rocked back in excitement, it just smashed me right in the middle of the knees. It, it's super uncomfortable. I've never had that problem. <laughs> when, there's a, when, there's, when there's a goal celebration, people go everywhere. Mm. You know, I've been in situations at away games where people have ended up five rows ahead of, of of where they were. It takes longer to get in and out of the stadium. In an evacuation situation, I think it's it's, it's something that, that, that has never been properly addressed in mm. in, in a lot of cases. Um, so it's it's different with newer stadiums. Like, say, take take the Emirates for example. There's there's more space. It's more comfortable. Obviously, people of like my parents' age would say too comfortable for a football stadium, <laughs> but in in fact, in 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 safety terms, it's it's a, it's a lot better. It's a lot closer to what we want it to be because it was built in a post Taylor Report world. Um, persistent standing, I understand why it happens, but it's a massive headache for the club. It's it's uncomfortable for a lot of fans, um, the ones who don't want to stand, the ones who do stand, because really they're standing because it's uncomfortable they want to be part of it they want to create an an old school atmosphere what you've got with safe standing you've got the space to stand but without the overcrowding and safety issues and that is absolutely massive because there's no back of a fag packet calculations there's one place one person and that makes an absolutely massive difference so I think not just in terms of atmosphere but in terms of safety comfort it's a winner I I think it can work I'm Nick Friedman I'm Lee Alec Murray and I'm Leah President and this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. 
But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ramble. We need more from some from some players. More responsibility, more um, more attitudes, more intensity. And in the second half, we we had that. The changes that we we made, the players they gave us they gave us a lot more. And obviously, the confidence of the team comes comes high, and we managed to to be very dominant in the, in the second half. Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. You can always get in contact with us, of course, at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel. Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. The email remains popular. <laughs> it and it's, does. It's, it's a lovely, familiar way to be in touch, isn't it? Yeah, loads of you have been in touch be this our, week. Be our pen pals. We will, we will read some of them out a little bit later. We shall. We are teasing you with it for now. We shall. Don't skip to the end of the podcast and just we are, for the emails. Don't. You'd, <laughs> you'd miss a really good bit and you'd exactly. regret it. You'd regret it. Let's talk about midfielders um, because there was a lot of talk at the weekend about, about two in particular who kind of have a bit in common because uh, they cost similar prices. They've gone to clubs with similar aims. Um, Tongi and Dombele and Bruno Fernandes because... Um, they've got have had very different fortunes at the moment. Um, Tanguy and Dombele was rather hung out to dry by Jose Mourinho. That's not really the aspect that we're going to look at the, the, the most closely. But whereas Bruno Fernandes is absolutely bloody flying. He is, isn't he? And, and he, he played a major it's part. the only way to put it. It is. And he played a major part in uh, United doing City over at the, uh, at the weekend. Um, he's uh, enjoying showboating a little bit on social media. Mm-hmm. He's, he's loving his life, basically. And it's funny because I think if you looked at it without knowing what had happened yet, if you were told the situations that they were put into, 
and asked how it would work out. I think you would have Ndombele as the favourite to be more influential more quickly because Ndombele signs at the start of July, gets a full pre-season, mm-hmm. um, comes into a Spurs side that's relatively stable. Of course, Pochettino's still there then. <laughs> oh, heartbreaks. <sighs> Sorry, I just got to compose myself a second. <laughs> um, whereas Bruno Fernandes is someone who Manchester United have been interested in for a long time. But there was a sense of need. We need him now. Because when you get a signing in January, it's never a truly planned signing. It's at least in part a reactive signing. Reactive to... How the season started. Yeah, Mm. exactly. And he's had to come in, change leagues mid-season. And yet, if, if you were to see them playing their two games in isolation for Spurs and Manchester United over the weekend, you would have thought the roles were reversed, right? Absolutely. It's quite interesting, really, when you compare the two, because, as you said, both midfielders, both going to big clubs in the Premier League, both with high expectations because of Mm. their transfer fees, but with very different outcomes and very different outcomes from the weekend as well. Obviously, Ndombele involved in a draw with Burnley at the weekend and hooked off at half time, which never looks good. And then Bruno Fernandes involved in the first goal for mm. United um, and also um, and obviously then winning the derby so it, what have you made of Fernandes so far I think Jules? he's been brilliant like you say you, there's no other way of putting it other than he's been absolutely flying he's, he's been bloody excellent since mm. he's, he's turned up there and I think it's on all different in, 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 in different areas as well in ways that I didn't expect him to be good because when you looked at the stats the assists and the goals that he can provide from midfield and that creativity that's something that obviously we were expecting and well, Manchester United fans were hoping yes. that they could get out of him. But it's what he's brought to the rest of the team as well that I've found even more impressive. The fact that Martial seems happier. All the players around him seem to be clicking into gear with him in the team now. And it, it just kind of, it's like everything has gelled since he's turned up. And that's not something I was expecting from him at all. That they flow like they didn't before mm-hmm. United, don't yeah. they? And I think midfield was always their area of weakness th- this season. Um, but I think that's it, isn't it? Because he's someone, it's, it's not just the the numbers and it's it's not just even his, his footballing qualities. It's something about him. Like He's a guy who's was totally ready to make this move at 25. And he's turned up and he's like, well, look, I'm used to being the best player in the team and I am playing like I'm used to being the best player in this team. I'm going to be the best player in this team here, just like I was in, in Portugal. It's the same vibe and he has you get. been in his five games. He, he has, absolutely. It's been five Premier League games, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. And like like you like you say that that thing about truly exceptional players making the players around them better. It's just his whole attitude, really, the, the the gusto with which he's attacked the challenge. You know, there's nothing shy about him, is there? Yeah, absolutely. And about the way he plays. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's his creativity. That's exactly what Manchester United have been missing with mm. Pogba's injury and and the wait for him to to return. They now have found someone that's been able to kind of replace that, replace Pogba's creativity in the midfield. And that's so important. But also, it's that person that just makes everything click around them. And there's nothing nicer as a football fan than watching your team look happy playing on the football pitch Mm. as well. And they just seem a lot happier. On the other hand, at Tottenham, 
it's quite the reverse at the moment. I know they have a lot of injuries and they've got injuries to their star key players. But the way it's gone so far for Undombele, I know he's had fitness issues mm. and he wasn't great at the weekend. He was he didn't play well against never, Burnley. Never judge anyone on Burnley away. <laughs> never. But he wasn't the only one. It's not no. like he stood out like a sore thumb because he was terrible. None of the team played that well. Is, is there a certain imperative at Tottenham, though, because they're less used to spending money of the dimensions of Manchester United, that there's a sense that, right, you have to deliver. We can't afford for you not to deliver. Look, here's this stadium. It's amazing. Make it happen for us. Is there a, is there a part of that, do you think? Yeah, I think so. And there must also be an element of frustration because Ndombele signed... When when um, Maurizio Pochettino was the manager, mm. so now he's a few months into his career at Tottenham, and a new manager comes in who is clearly very different in his management style to Mar- Maurizio Pochettino. Yes, and now he's having to deal with that on a personal level as well mm. because no one likes to see their players be hung out to dry. And obviously, this is Mourinho's style, and he can choose to manage however he likes to. But I think there's an element of when. When a manager calls a player out and is quite negative about their performance, as fans, as media looking on, we kind of, it makes us wince a little bit, it's doesn't quite old it? old school, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it feels a bit outdated. And I wonder whether maybe that's, that approach is becoming outdated now because we don't really see it. Well, there's so much of Mourinho's approach that he needs to prove is not outdated in, in the next little while. And I suppose when you're off to Leipzig later, aren't you, I am. you, you today? Mm. Uh, th- this is huge, I think, for, for, for Jose Mourinho. I, I think for them to go there and get tactically out, outwitted again by Julian Nagelsmann, someone who's younger, who's fresher, I mean, that's, that's stuff that Mourinho was coming out with after the first leg about all, all the injuries they've got. I mean, <laughs> come on. Look, look at Leipzig's defence. It is unbelievable that he had... Well, it's not unbelievable, but that he had the nerve to say that stuff. Um, you, you know, you, you have to... If it was anyone other than Mourinho, you'd be knocked sideways but, but, but by him having that cheek. Yeah. Um, but, but, I, we, I suppose but we've seen it you before make, with Mourinho, haven't you, we? You, you, you have. I do think when it, we go back specifically to Ndombele, obviously he could do with a huge game out of him this evening, which Ndombele is more than capable of, of, of doing. Um, but he must make, he does pick his targets, doesn't he? It's not like he hangs every player who has a bad game out to dry. No. I wonder if it's a compliment in a way, if he thinks I can get more out of you. So I'm going to use a bit of, a bit of stick and maybe there's another time for the for, for the carrot which is which is not now I mean we'll only know if this is successful really off the back of this game tonight mm. and off the back of subsequent games I mean it's harder than Dombele because he's he's still settling um, he's been the beneficiary of some tough love in the past when it, it wasn't really working out for him and um, he rebuilt everything uh, at Amiens and then settled really, really quickly in top flight football with Lyon. But I think the environment at Lyon is, 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 is so different. I mean, in a sense, there are a lot of similar pressures to Tottenham in that they're a club that's slightly below the, the, the absolute elite in the fact that they, certainly when Ndombele arrived, were still relatively new in their fantastic new stadium and the expectations that brings... But in terms of the squad makeup, it's very different because Lyon is a lot of young players and I think it's easier to 
establish yourself as as a leader when when you're a young guy when that's the case but there's a definite hierarchy at Tottenham and I think you look at the fact that Mourinho does like to lean on those older players you look at hard he's leaned on Toby Alderweireld since he's been in who was a player who, who looked as if he was out the door already under Pochettino didn't he but he's been made to feel important again signed a new contract and the sense that things have you know, not to say that things were perfectly balanced at Lyon, but in terms of the age of the players, I think it's very different. Whereas if you look at Spurs, there's been a sense for a while that that team is on the turn and all of a sudden you've got to settle to a new league, new type of football, new set of expectations, very, very high expectations. And at the same time, you're learning as you go. I, I think that's quite difficult. And let's be honest, there are better players than Ndombele, who've had an average first season in the Premier League. Absolutely. And, and I, I say that as someone who likes him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how Ndombele responds to to the way Jose Mourinho um, criticised his performance at the weekend. Instagram? What, has he done that? Instagram. No. Oh, wait, I was going to say. I thought, you, I thought he that's had a, done. I was like, have I missed something? That's how I would respond <laughs> if, I was, if I was a 20-something footballer. <laughs> um, but it, it will be interesting to see what his next performance is like because I'm intrigued because as you were mentioning a minute ago, some players quite like tough love. Some different people respond to criticism in a different way. Some people need an arm around them and other people need a bit of tough love and Mm. other people quite like actually a bit of a hammering. It it might kind of push you to achieve more if someone gives you a bit of a hammering mm. and some people quite enjoy thriving under that pressure well he's had a lot of setbacks in his career so the idea that he's gonna say oh well, right maybe it's not gonna happen for me here I, I find that ludicrous yeah. I find that a massive underrating of of him as a character him as a person and him as a player I also think there's method to Jose Mourinho's madness as I put in inverted commas because and um, he chose to respond the way he did knowing full well he would be talked about. Mm. He knew that this wasn't going to be something that just went under the radar. He talked about Oliver Skip and he talked about Ndombele in the same sentence and he said, both of them, I took them both off at half time. They both weren't good enough, but I'm not going to blame it on Oliver Skip. And he chose to say some fairly nice things about about Skip and chose to face all the negativity and put it all on Ndombele. So there must be a reason for that. There's no way that that was just something that came out of Jose's mouth. There's always a reason behind everything he says to the media, I think. Yeah, and... Let's be honest, would you rather be Skip or Ndombele in this situation? Because I'm sure he said nicer things about Skip, but he's going to get a load less games in the next two months. It's true. Whereas, whereas Ndombele is going to get lent on and made to play well eventually. Mm. Yeah, definitely. As for Bruno Fernandes, he's had nothing but kind of plaudits really and and everyone has just been singing his praises since his arrival at Manchester United. It has given them some sort of momentum. I, I mean, you know, there, there's an argument that I mean, I, they're not quite in the box seat for fourth place yet, but they're picking up momentum at exactly the right time, aren't they? And it's, it's going to be hard for Chelsea to to hold them off. I mean... Although they were the, excellent against Everton, Chelsea. Yeah, they were, they were fantastic. And in the final analysis, I mean, fourth and fifth might be good enough for, for Champions League, depending on what happens with, with Manchester City's appeal at Cass. Yeah, I think that Manchester United right now, if you're looking at let's call it the original top six. So out of the ones that are outside the top four at the moment, if you look at United, Tottenham and Arsenal, of the three of them, for me, the most likely right now 
would be united to get into mm. a Champions League spot. Time to get to your correspondence now. Loads of you have been in touch this week at Jules Breach on Twitter, at Andy Brassel, or of course you can email us both, Jules and Andy, at footballrambledaily.com. And we've got this one from Louis Harker from Leyland who said, Hey guys, love the show. Wanted to follow up on your conversations regarding racism over the last few weeks. He says, I was appalled to see that Kiko Casilla was given an eight-game ban for racism. And around the same time, Daniel Sturridge was handed a ban until the end of the season for breaching gambling laws. Now, he's obviously done wrong, but is gambling on games that you have no part of a bigger issue than racially abusing another player. He says, growing up as one of the only mixed race kids in my area, I've been subject to racial abuse most of my life and find it disgusting that somebody having a little flutter has been given a punishment until the end of the season, whereas Casilla on racism was only given an eight-match ban. Would love to hear your thoughts on the matter. First of all, Louis, thank you very much for emailing us and really sorry to hear that you've been subject to racial abuse and obviously we hope that you're okay and that you can talk to people about it and thank you for reaching out to us what do you think Andy about these two different situations I I don't think they're 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 strictly comparable in a way and I I, I do agree as far as Kiko Casilla goes I I think he's got off quite lightly I, I, I really do um and I think some of the some some of the things that he, he he brought up to try and mitigate it were just was just nonsense, yeah. uh, uh, absolute nonsense. Um, it but, felt like he was trying to say something, but then the more he said, the worse it got. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Yeah, he was trying to make excuses that just made no sense. Yeah, they they they, they didn't, and it's it's something you know you can't put up with at all. And um, on the whole, I think um, English football does does deal with this a lot better than, than than some of its overseas counterparts. I can understand, particularly in the current climate, why there would be a desire to to, to make an example of, of of him. And I think the, the way he tried to squirm out of it really did him no credit at all. And, and you have to ask, has he been poorly advised by the, 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 the people around him? I mean, for once, it would just be nice for someone to say, okay, I did it. It was unacceptable. I'm taking these steps to 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 deal with it. But I do tend to think that sometimes footballers just think of it in a term of I don't like like any sort of wrongdoing, whether it be racism or anything else. How does it affect the team? And I, I can understand what that when they're locked into a team mentality, but it it doesn't mean it's it's right. You've got to take some personal responsibility. You've got to forget about what it means for the team or your club. And you know the reason that the punishment's happening, it's because of him. Mm-hmm. It's not because of anyone else. So he has to accept the consequences of that. And um, I, I think there needs to be a wider discussion about this, though, because um, something that, that, that did disturb me a, a little as well, Jonathan Lecco, who was unfortunately the, the subject of, of that, um, coming out and, and saying that he didn't get the help that he wanted from... Um, Kick it out. It's really and, disappointing to hear that. And and mm. and kick it out of of received a bit of stick from this. And mm. Troy Townsend, um, a, a friend of the show who does tireless work, really, and has done tireless work with Kick It Out for for years. I do find it disappointing that that Kick It Out, and it's something that Troy explained to us on a previous Ramble meets, 
are, are treated synonymously with the, the English football authorities. They're not the same thing. Mm. You know, they're an independently and not brilliantly funded pressure group who, who do a lot of selfless work and spend a lot of time uh, trying to trying to improve conditions um, for, for for not just for for black players but um, for women for LGBT players uh, and, and and supporters. Um, so I, I know Troy's quite hurt by this criticism. He's, he's, he's talked about it and he says that's not the case. They're always available there to to help him. Um, so I, I think that's that's a bit of a pity. I think on both sides of this is such a, a, a lack of clarity. Yeah. And um, I, I'd really like to see not only players given support, but kick it out, have the opportunity to to show who they are and uh, and what they're about a, a, a little bit better. Um, obviously, their, their profile's raised to a certain extent, but still, I think they're, they're often miscast for being part of the establishment, which, which isn't the case at, at all. They do um, loads of terrific work. Um, as, as part of the, the Daniel Sturridge thing, I, I do see that as, as t- totally separate. And it's, it's not him betting on games. I mean, we, we talked about this on, on the continent on Football Ramble Daily last week. It's him giving insider tips to friends and family. Mm. And he made out like he was naive um, I, I don't think he was. And also, the the burden of proof is always so tricky in cases like the Casilla case because it's he said, he said in a match environment when there's the noise of the crowd, when all the subjects aren't static, when you've got all the players around and other stuff happening. Whereas this there's a clear trail of, of, of what happened. So it's, it's clear. So I don't think you can compare the two things to, to together. It is super difficult for the authorities to, to deal with these cases. I think it's a positive thing that Kiko Casilla has been punished. Um, but on the other hand, do we need more clarity, more definition, more support, more training yeah. for players from different cultures as as well that's that's part of it we need all of those things there and needs to be uh, more know, education doesn't it's, there it's, it's a constant battle it's a constant battle but fortunately we've got people like like Troy and Kick It Out doing such a good job around it definitely well thank you for your email Louis Harker hopefully that helps you out a little bit and um, loads more of you have been in touch as well there's quite a few European emails Andy so I think I might leave them to you to read for On the Continent can I put them in Marcus's mailbag I think you could put them in the mailbag although one of them that I really did like from Walid, who is uh, written in about Turkish football Um, one of the things he yeah he uh, knows his way to my heart (laughs) One of the things he asked about is he said, my old football team are going to be heading down to, to Seville for the final day of La Liga, where we hope to find tickets for Sevilla against Valencia. And he said, any tips on things to see, traditions relating to Sevilla home games and particularly good places for quality tapas and or a beer would be more than welcome. There are loads of great places directly around the stadium, the Ramon Sanchez Pijuan. You've got to get loads of photos outside the front, as actually Marcus will tell you. It's, it's incredible mosaic outside the front of the stadium. We've got to get a few selfies of yourself and your mates with that. It looks brilliant. Um, There are lots of great places to eat and drink directly around the stadium. And also, depending how big you are, in the shopping centre right next to it at Nerbion, 
you've got a uh, a, a sort of tube slide, uh, like tunnel slide, that comes out the side of the shopping centre off the first floor and lands in the park at the bottom. Stop it. Yeah. Well, I'd definitely fit in there. Do that's, you that's fit in there? Good. We'll give it a go next time we're over. I, I, I don't think I would. I'd clang my head on the way down. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm off to Leipzig. What are you doing for Champions League this week? Um, I'm going to be in studio uh, for, for most of that, doing, doing the Champions Safely League radio show. tucked away in the studio. Yeah, that's, that's I've already that's had right. one flight cancelled, Andy. I will not be stuck in Germany. My mission is to make it back within two days. I'm going to go to Leipzig and I'm going to hopefully be back in England by Wednesday. Jules. Fingers crossed. Hitches back and makes it (laughs) back just in time for next week's Jules and Andy. Indeed. All right. Thank you all for listening. Keep getting in touch with us. Jules and Andy, footballrambledaily.com and you can contact us both on Twitter as well. We'll see you next week. See you later. This was a Stakhanov production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.